Greetings and salutations. Welcome to my show, Real Life True Stories. I'm your host, Eleanor Lane, and I'm here to educate you on all of the exciting true stories happening in the news today. First, we'll start with the latest from the White House. President Kat Dennings, a true American trainer, has announced that every household will be receiving a free automobile. Wake up, sheeple. It's all a distraction. President Dennings, my least favorite person on earth, is using this as a way to distract from the reality that she has outlawed oxygen. Look it up. You can find the truth on my blog at loellenorlives.com. This aggression will not stand, people. Wait. Cut. Lowy, wake up. Oh, Eleanor. Hi. Hello. Oh my god, Lo, you literally fell asleep right before we were supposed to start recording. Oh my god, Elle, I'm so sorry. I I had the weirdest dream. I was recording the show, but it was called Real Life True Stories. You weren't there, but my name was Lo Eleanor Lane, and Kat Dennings was my president, but in my dream I I hated her. <gasps> Lowy. That sounds like a nightmare, not Kat Dennings. But it also sounds a lot like what I wanted to talk about today. Have you ever heard of the Monument Mythos? Oh my god, yeah! The web series about the alternate history of the United States, with all the crazy monsters and President James Dean? Yeah, I would actually love to talk to you about the Monument Mythos. Welcome to Internet Urban Legends, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Loey, I think, your friendly neighborhood true believer who is very relieved to be back in my own reality with my wife, Kat Dennings. And I am Eleanor. Kat, I have never strayed from you. I am your <laughs> stubborn skeptic. <laughs> Together we are the Gruesome Twosome, and this is Internet Urban Legends, where we dive deep into the darkest corners of the internet. You guys know the drill. We might find the answers we're looking for. We might scare ourselves into staying up all night. But one thing is for sure, I am actually so personally excited to have you guys along for the ride on this one. This is going to be a fun one. I am like a Monument Mythos super fan. As I was looking into this topic, I was like, this makes so much sense for our podcast because it's something you and I are both really interested in. Mm -hmm. You with history. You love history and like all things just... Historical. Historical. Yeah, I was trying to think of the word. I feel like this makes so much sense for you as a point of interest, but also I love a good alternate reality game mm-hmm. or a good web series. And let's start this off today by saying that the episode is going to be a real doozy. The Monument Mythos is a horror series created for YouTube by Alex Kasanis, aka Alex Kansas. The series takes the form of short mockumentary-style videos focused around an America where things took a slightly different course, and where bizarre and unexplainable events occur near national landmarks like the Statue of Liberty or Mount Rushmore. The videos make use of stock footage, interviews with historical figures, usually voiced by a credited actor in-universe, newsreels, and in a few cases, animation. If you guys remember our episode with Chris Straub, where we talked a bit about his series Local 58, it's kind of akin to that in the sense that we are watching this footage and it is fully suspended in an alternate reality where alternate things took place 
there's just a different course for history. Throughout the videos, it's shown that the national monuments in this alternate timeline are hiding monstrosities not seen in the everyday world, and many events that define the history of America have either been modified or left out entirely. That's probably super confusing and overwhelming as an explanation of this series, but that's because the series is overwhelming and confusing. So, for example, the first real video in the mm -hmm. series is titled Liberty Lurker, okay. and it details the building of the Statue of Liberty, as well as the disappearance of immigrants who passed through Ellis Island between 1949 and 1954. And at first you're like, how are those two things connected? We'll get there. But the Statue of Liberty is also a little bit different. So it takes us through almost a 2D flat lay diagram of this statue. This statue has a wheel apparatus built into it that opens into some kind of pit, already nefarious. Number two, the base on this statue is bigger than the base of the Statue of Liberty that we have in our reality. The designer of the statue, Frederick Auguste Bertoldi, was asked why the base was a little bit bigger and cryptically responds in the video with, quote, people often ask why the pedestal is so disproportionate to the statue. All I can tell them is, Ask the Americans. What the hell? Ask so, the Americans. Yeah. We don't know what's going on. This. Exactly. I'm sitting there watching like, uh, hmm. uh, what do you know that I don't know? I'm, I'm confused. I'm confused. It quickly becomes apparent that the Statue of Liberty has been built over something. The mm -hmm. base is there to hide something. And that the something is what is killing thousands of immigrants as they try to enter the country. Later on, it's revealed to be this horrific creature known as the Liberty Lurker from the title. This is like a large, stretched out creature. You only see it really, really briefly. And You'd think that would be scary to everybody in the universe, yeah. but in the universe of monument mythos, honestly, they're in hell. Like Their reality is just traumatic and terrible. So these sorts of things are kind of just seen as commonplace. We'll right. continue to unravel the series, but this is not the weirdest thing anyone in monument mythos has seen this week. It establishes that really insane cosmic horror is the norm in this world right up front. So the Liberty Lurker video even drives this point home by ending with a written statement that anyone whose family members disappeared on Ellis Island may be entitled to financial compensation. Kind of like when you see those commercials for like class action lawsuits on TV. But instead of getting like rheumatoid arthritis, your family member was eaten by the Liberty Lurker. Imagine if you're watching TV late at night and instead of getting one of those were you in a building with, I don't know, like meso what, what asbestos? Are, asbestos, yes. yeah. You were in a building with asbestos. You can call this number and we will get you financial compensation. But instead of that, it's like if you or a loved one was eaten by the giant Statue of Liberty monster, <laughs> you may be titled to compensation. Was your aunt gobbled by the lurker? <laughs> <laughs> Here's a couple hundred thousand Gs. At first, the series presents a number of shocking diversions from our reality, but doesn't make it entirely clear what it's all adding up to. All we know is that things are very, very different in this world, to say the absolute least. So here's just a quick uh, abbreviated little list of things that are different other than the Statue of Liberty gobbling immigrants. Mm -hmm. The Lincoln statue in Washington, D.C. is hollow, and it's used as a torture device. Why? Well, when a president is angry about one enemy in particular, that person is kidnapped and placed into the statue for the duration of the president's term, with only eye holes in the statue 
to see people visiting. Basically, hell. This episode cracked me up because (laughs) the woman they interview is like, she was put inside Lincoln for a couple of weeks and then they realized they had the wrong person. She was like, it was so cold. There was only cold metal. I was like fed bits of bread. But they let her out after a couple of weeks. I believe it's Nixon, who's the president at the time. Of course it was. He personally apologizes. Um, and she is freed. But again, in this reality, this is like, this is pretty normal. Yeah. Yeah. And these people are called Lincoln lookers. For a couple of short weeks, that woman was a Lincoln looker. Yes. And it's supposed to be throughout the entire term. So she got lucky. Four years of Lincoln looking. Bye. Goodbye. Yeah, really could not stand that. Another difference in this world from our own is that although Alcatraz still existed as a prison at one point, it turns out that the entire island is a parasitic entity that is getting closer and closer to America. You know how everybody's always like, one day California is simply going to break off of the country Mm -hmm. and float off into the ocean. It's literally opposite. Opposite problem. Alcatraz (laughs) is just slowly approaching. Trigger warning, Alcatraz. So scientists in this universe completely believe that Alcatraz will one day, like in a couple of years time, just consume America. Mm -hmm. Like it's just going to crash, eat America, goodbye. I like Alcatraz being a bit sentient in my I think it's very sentient in this universe. Yeah. (laughs) I think it is fully sentient and nefarious. In fact, it turns out that by the early 2000s, Alcatraz had already consumed up to West Texas, which led the United States becoming the United Zones of America and combining into three territories, the uninhabitable Alcatraz Zone, the Rushmore Zone, and the Washington Zone. Okay, and pop quiz. Who was the 37th president of the United States? Anyone? Richard Nixon. I did have to look that up. But in this case, it's only sometimes. Only sometimes would be correct. James Dean, an actor who died in a horrific car accident in 1955 in our universe, became president sometimes in Monument Mythos instead. We say sometimes because Monument Mythos seems to kind of jump realities occasionally, but still noteworthy that James Dean is president of the United States. Sometimes Richard Nixon is president and James Dean in this series is honestly such a chad. Like he's just a chad. (laughs) He just will pop in and just like, we'll talk about it later in the pod, but he'll just say, he'll just say the silliest things. So I'm team James Dean, but we do get a little of both. The biggest difference to come out of this episodes and the longest episode of the entire series Mm -hmm. is the Rockefeller tree tragedy. So this is kind of the crux of the entire plot and lore behind Monument Mythos. It's revealed that most of the monuments are hiding something known as, quote, special trees. These kind of look like Seuss trees a little bit. Mm -hmm. They're completely leafless. They can shoot lightning. So not so much like Seuss trees. (laughs) A little bit different in the aspect. Somewhat similar in that they're a little wonky looking. Completely different in that they are dangerous. They can expel lightning. Well, you know, interesting you say dangerous because the lightning is actually the harmless part. Oh. The lightning is not the problem. The other two things it can do are transform somebody who climbs into it into another stretched out, horrifying monster, or it can transport people to another dimension, also seemingly maybe through time. And when it does transport people, it seems that it keeps the person that it transports comatose and it feeds on them. So these trees, speaking of sentience, are kind of doing the most. 
Okay. You okay. getting all that? Right. The lightning, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. completely random, right. right? Every little bit, nothing fits together. But these are the trees. Wow. They're inside monuments as well. Don't forget. Don't forget. Right, that. right. Sorry. Can't forget <laughs> about the monuments. So everything in this universe, that was a lot, first and foremost, for us and for you guys listening at home. And we haven't really gotten into the plot yet. That was just a couple of fun, fun right. little bullet points about the series. That's what's so interesting about the monument mythos, though. Because these episodes are pretty short and easy to digest, you can kind of just pick one up and watch. You might be a little bit confused Mm -hmm. about the plot line, but it's still interesting. Because these episodes are so short, though, you're receiving these really insane alternate history lessons to better understand the world that you are being introduced to. That way, when the plot makes itself known, it is something else entirely. Up next, we'll talk about the various characters inhabiting the world of the Monument Mythos and how they contribute to the plot in this insane world. Hi, Parcasters. It's Greg and Vanessa from the series Serial Killers. For the past five years, we've explored hundreds of history's most notorious murderers, giving listeners an intimate look at their sordid origins and heinous crimes. If you haven't had a chance to join us before, there's no better time to dive in than right now for our Serial Killers 5th Anniversary Special. It's a four-part examination into the mythology surrounding four fearsome killers. Edmund Kemper, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. Our fifth anniversary series uncovers the men behind the mayhem, analyzing what turned them into killers and how their lethal behavior made their stories larger than life. If you've listened to the show before, we hope you enjoy. And if you haven't, this is the perfect series for any avid ParCast fan. Follow Serial Killers to hear our four-part fifth anniversary special. Listen now, free and only on Spotify. Over the course of the show, a few reoccurring characters begin to appear to help the viewer understand what's really going on. First, there's the Arnoldson family. Nathaniel Arnoldson, the eldest, is a member of an activist organization known as the Anti-Dean Association, whose mission is, apparently, to spread the truth about James Dean's corruption. Also, when visiting the Monument Mythos YouTube page, uh, each season seems to be about 12 episodes long, varying in length, but there was the channel trailer is just Dean for President, and it's really kind of funny. Dean Democracy. Dean Democracy, baby. Dean for Prez. It's also eventually revealed that he, being Nathaniel, is a content creator who makes cheap-looking videos meant to expose stuff like the Lincoln Lookers Project. He posts these online under the name Dr. Disturbing. What a content name, baby. Someone's got (laughs) to put a hold on that. Nathaniel has a sister named Maya, also a member of the ADA, the Anti-Dean Association, who is the reason that we know about the Lincoln Lookers in the first place. Because she, allegedly, was one. A little side note, but her story is kind of crazy. When asked why she thinks that the government hasn't imprisoned or killed her, she says it's because the Lincoln Lookers story is so crazy, like so out of this world, that nobody believes her. And this is in a universe where crazy stuff is happening for breakfast. Well, would you really care? Alcatraz is eating your country. That is so true. (laughs) Honestly, your problem. (laughs) Maybe it's not even that it was so crazy, no one would care. Maybe it's just like, I'm so sorry, girl. Alcatraz is Pac-Man. Like, (laughs) there's other stuff to focus on. (laughs) 
But she says that nobody believes her. And the government knows that anybody listening to her tell all and expose their entire Lincoln Lookers operation. Yeah. The tradition. <laughs> will just think she's crazy. They won't believe it. So Nathaniel also has two children named Lauren and Quinn, who later in the series take over their father's Dr. Disturbing channel. Very meta. And again, these people's central driving force is that they hate James Dean, who in this universe becomes president. So like I mentioned, James Dean is 100% the Chad of Monument Mythos. He gets elected by a reporter on ABC because ABC still exists. He's like, everybody listening, everybody watching, we're going to have the largest announcement in recent history on ABC in a week. And every single night up until that point, he's hyping it. He's hyping it. (laughs) Turns out it is... James Dean's bid for president. And it's the most viewed thing uh, in history. It is the second highest ranked show of all time after Star Trek, this James Dean historical (laughs) presidential bid. They keep replaying it on ABC every single night. At one point, he challenges Nixon, who is the other, what is the word, the other candidate to a car race instead of having a presidential debate. And by the end of the day, Nixon's like, you know what, man, you're actually so cool. Even I would vote for you. (laughs) And word gets around and it just cripples Nixon's campaign. And Dean Democracy takes over. He gets 75% of the popular vote. His speech is only a couple words. He only says a couple words throughout the series. There's a point where, again, this, this series is weird, but these two people find George Washington's reanimated corpse in, I believe it's like a pond or something. And again, a weird universe, but this is particularly weird. And when President James Dean was asked about the incident, he simply said, I'm surprised and walked (laughs) off. And that's the energy, yes, we get from President James Dean throughout his entire run as president. He's probably my favorite character in the series. Just the Chad, the Chad of this universe. That is so... Crazy. I don't know much about James Dean in this universe. I've only seen his wax figure at Madame Tussauds every (laughs) single time that I go. But now I will be keeping a little eyeball on him next time I'm there. So why does the Anti-Dean Association exist? And why does the Arnoldson family hate James Dean so much? Remember how each of the monuments is hiding a horrific monster? James Dean has sent thousands of so-called terrorists to be reformed near the National Monuments none of them are ever seen again. There's also a reoccurring bit throughout the series involving something called the Statue of Freedom and how James Dean uses it. In this universe, other statues like Liberty were created and given to the United States. One of them is the Statue of Freedom. The Statue of Freedom was made by a man named Thomas Crawford who disappeared shortly after its creation and was never seen again. So, how did he disappear? Through the use of a special kind of glass known as Giza glass, people in this universe can have limbs removed that will keep on living. It turns out that Thomas used this to gradually slice himself into pieces and then placed himself inside of the Statue of Freedom. As the Statue of Freedom, Crawford becomes a sleeper agent for James Dean and the United States government who uses his sword, also made of Giza glass, to sever the heads of political dissidents to be used as slave labor. These heads become known as the crowns, which are literally just gigantic disembodied heads. This series is nuts. It's a lot, and we're literally still just scratching the surface. 
The last two characters I want to talk about are a little girl named Virginia. My, I was going to say my home state. Technically wasn't born there, but <laughs> my growing up state. And none other than John D. Rockefeller, who remembers their history lessons. John D. Rockefeller was an oil tycoon. He owned Standard Oil. He was one of our like tycoons of industry in the Industrial Revolution. But in this universe, Rockefeller was a politician instead. He also becomes president in the 1930s. We have a lot of presidents running mm-hmm. around in this series, right? So the episode Rockefeller Tree Tragedy that we talked about a little bit earlier presents the story from two perspectives. We have Rockefellers and we have Virginias. So Rockefellers are kind of like these very serious voiceovers and Virginia's portions of the story are told with a little girl's voice with little kid drawings. Okay. So... President Rockefeller wants to find the biggest tree to be the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Plaza. We're familiar with that in our reality. But in this reality, he finds a special tree. Remember the trees that can like turn, like they can create lightning and turn people into stretched out monsters and, you know, put people in different realities. Unfortunately, he encounters a special tree and he manages to dig it out and place it in the plaza. This takes a long time. It's actually quite a struggle to get this tree out of the ground. They try to dig it up and like their axes aren't working. Their shovels aren't working. He hires these contractors and they're like, yo, Rockefeller, it's going to take three years to get this tree out at this rate. And he's like, well, I will wait three years then. I need this tree. They try They put down dynamite and try to explode the tree. The tree just gets pissed. Eventually, it makes its way to Rockefeller Plaza. I forget who, but somebody tells Rockefeller, this tree's pretty ugly. You need to, um, it's pretty barren. It's like a spindly, nasty little tree. Can you glue some branches onto it? And Rockefeller's like, hell no, it's perfect. And they eventually convince him to glue branches on the tree. So we have this nasty tree that is... Uh, enamoring the president. Okay. Now, Virginia is also interested in the tree. She sees this tree and she's like, I like it too. I want to hang the first ornament on this tree for Christmas. So she has a little star and she's super excited for it. Once she reaches the top of the tree, she climbs up there. I think she has her friends help her climb up. They like stand on each other's shoulders. The tree droops over and begins emitting lightning. Remember, they can do that. Virginia and all of her friends are sucked into a vortex and they're spit back on the streets of Rockefeller Plaza. But all we know is that Virginia wakes up and all the families of all these children are tending to them. So she's looking around and she's like, you know, things look a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I realized Rockefeller Plaza looked a little bit different. They take these kids to the hospital because they're all scraped up, they're bruised up, they fell down from this lightning tree. The tree is also gone in this reality, weirdly. It's like vanished. But when they get to the hospital and all these families start talking to the kids, the kids realize that something is very off. And so do the parents. Virginia, for example, mentions something about her freckles. And her parents are very confused because Virginia's never had freckles. Her parents are asking her, where did you get all these clothes? And she's like these are the clothes you put me in this morning. And they're saying, we have no idea what you're talking about. A couple of the other kids don't even have the same last name as their parents. So their parents literally all band together separately at first and then decide our kids have been replaced by doppelgangers. You're seeing this from Virginia's perspective, so it's very sad. It really just feels like the parents don't want their kids. And eventually Rockefeller has to make a public statement to essentially like clarify the incident, say, I'm so sorry for grabbing that that scary special tree, but then said, you know, maybe the scary special tree actually grabbed me and I had no choice. And that thought brings me a little bit of comfort. Sorry about the tragedy, 
but we keep it moving. Um, <laughs> I think that for the first time in this podcast history, I'm speechless. <laughs> um, wow. We simply do not know peace in this universe. <laughs> Nobody knows peace. Everything is terrible. Everything is bad. Rockefeller's also like, these stupid children, they thought I was merely an oil tycoon. Couldn't be me. I'm the president. <laughs> Basically, the kids just don't remember anything from this universe. Nothing right? from this universe. And their their recollection of history is also off. So yeah. they have like different dates for when America became America. In this reality, Lincoln's hat is a bowler hat instead of his iconic oh. top hat. So it's just these weird little inconsistencies that make them seem a little crazy. So... Now that we have a little bit of an introduction into the main characters, it should be known that the Monument Mythos purposefully takes its time to reveal what this story is actually about. And it does it for a pretty good reason, too. Spoiler time, as though you have not already gotten so many spoilers here in this episode. This is a really great watch, also. 10 out of 10, oh, it's recommend. So good. Even after listening to us, like, mm-hmm. kind of talk about the series a bit, please go watch it. Yeah, it's still so worth it. It's really not something that can be spoiled because it's so complex and convoluted. Yeah. You can still experience it for yourself. It is just like really the series inserting yourself into an alternate dimension, mm-hmm. like even more so than other ARGs that we've ever talked about because it is so set in reality, but just a different reality right. where the same stuff happened so differently. So Late in the series, it turns out that the Anti-Dean Association is a right-wing terrorist organization with many parallels to modern bad faith actors in our world. They even besieged the Capitol on January 6th, although theirs was in the 70s and not in the 2020s. Most of what we've seen through their point of view was propaganda meant to turn people on their side against James Dean. Remember the Lincoln Lookers? Turns out they're not real. Dun, dun, dun. The Lincoln Lookers. This is why Maya, the sister, she didn't say anything because it's not real. She was like, I was in there for two weeks. It was terrible. It was definitely terrible. It was for sure terrible. In fact, if anything, the ADA are the single most dangerous human organization in this series. In the episode Dean Disaster, they hijack one of James Dean's presidential addresses. The video opens with a horribly animated James Dean cutout waltzing onto screen, approaching the viewer and splitting his mouth wide open while loudly blaring a siren. And at that moment, all of the air raid sirens in America begin too, though their sound has been amplified so much that this noise kills millions of civilians and permanently deafens an estimated 70% of the U.S. population. Damn. Damn. So once you realize that the ADA, you know, I always thought they were lying because I was team James Dean from the beginning. Yes. But once you know for a fact they're lying, a lot of what we've witnessed in the series changes. So some of it is still true. The stories of Rockefeller and Virginia that we just talked about. But it also seems like the ADA were definitely trying to make the world focus on James Dean as the common enemy despite the fact that there were actual crazy monsters everywhere yeah. in this world. Like, James Dean is not your biggest problem. Literally, there is a monster in the Statue of Liberty gobbling up immigrants. I promise it's not James Dean. He's seemingly not even smart enough to cause a problem in this universe. He really saw some stuff go down and said, 
damn, that's crazy, and walked <laughs> off screen. Like, my man is not, yeah. There are much bigger threats in this universe. And, like, walking away from it, I have to ask you, as someone who's been really invested in this series, what do you walk away with? Do you feel like it's an allegory for something specific? Do you think it's just an interesting play on looking at history through basically an alternate lens? What I walked away from it, one of the central themes was the way we view history is there were all these atrocities that mm-hmm. happened. Like, think of, like, the Holocaust. And yeah. we just read about it and we're like, damn, that was crazy. Or people who are living through it in different countries, they're like, oh, wow, that's crazy shit over there. Like, yeah. what's happening in not my backyard? So I thought that was just sort of this to the extreme, that people yeah. can be fed all this information about, like, horrific things that are going on around them. But unless you're in the Alcatraz zone, the Alcatraz zone isn't really bothering you, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's literally like we have war in Ukraine right now and we have like so much very real stuff going on in our world. And it's like there is only so much that we can do from the backyard that we are currently in. And there's so much going on all the time that like I guess that literal monsters attacking Mm -hmm. is just like symbolism for the stuff that goes on with us every single day that Mm -hmm. is just as scary as real monsters. Even Um, think about like Will Smith slapping Chris Rock was uh the only thing in the news for weeks. Yeah. And that is like, like, I don't think anybody would argue that that is not in the list of the top 10,000 worst things that are happening at any given second in the world. Right. But that's the only thing we talked about. Like we can truly turn our blind eye to atrocities if there's something more interesting or something with a little more levity happening. Absolutely. The series, I think, is effective, but really, really, really fascinating. People are still theorizing about the series. I guess that at the end of season two, the monument mythos, as we currently know, it has officially ended. So it has been wrapped up in a nice little bow, although We never know. There could be a comeback. Mm -hmm, Hey, Alex. mm -hmm. Hey. The series has so much going on, though. I wonder if some people find it overwhelming because I certainly have in my kind of like looking into this entire thing. It Mm -hmm. is just like, whoa, what is happening here? It doesn't make it any less fascinating, though. No, I was going to say, even when I was watching the series, I watched the first couple episodes without reading any of the comments. And I certainly missed things, but still really enjoyed my experience. And then towards the end of the series, I started reading the comments and like really getting involved in the lore and what other people thought. Really fascinating both ways. But even if it is a little chunky feeling, a little overwhelming, the community kind of exists on YouTube. So you can sort of navigate your way through the plot that way. One of the best ways to support series like this is to watch the source material from the creator themselves, to support them through ad revenue, to also make sure that it gets the views that it deserves. So if you're listening at home and you found any interest in the Monument Mythos, the best way to support the creator is to go watch the series yourself. I promise it will be an interesting use of an afternoon and you will walk away maybe a little more thankful that we don't have murderous monuments throughout our country. (laughs) We want to know what you all have to say about this episode. Did you enjoy The Monument Mythos? Have you watched it? Do you have any thoughts about this alternate universe? Let us know all over social media by using hashtag gruesome We would love to hear from you. For now... 
Thank you all so much for listening. We are once again your hosts, Loie and Eleanor, also known as the Gruesome Twosome, and we have loved this deep dive into the world of internet urban legends with all of you. You can find all episodes of Internet Urban Legends for free exclusively on Spotify. Don't forget to follow the podcast so we can continue bringing you a new disturbing mystery each and every week. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Loeybug and at Snitchery and support our show by following at Parcast on Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. Stay gruesome, friends. Internet Urban Legends is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler from Parcast slash management and Ed Simpson, Fanny Baudry, and Leah Sutherland from Wheelhouse DNA. Sound design by Ron Shapiro with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. It is produced by Jonathan Ratliff, Gemma Waters, John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Lexi Kibben. Research and script writing provided by Judd Bookout. And we're your hosts, Loie Lane and Eleanor Barnes, a.k.a. The Gruesome Twosome. Twosome.